Welcome to the From the Flats podcast, brought to you by AT&T, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Now, here's your host, Wiley Ballard. And welcome inside another episode of From the Flats. We've got a lot in store for you this week with visits from Tabitha Turner talking Georgia Tech women's basketball. Randy Waters gives us his insight on the men's basketball team. But first, we are joined by a very special guest, none other than one of the top recruiters in college football, beginning his return to the Flats under head coach Jeff Collins. That'd be the man, Brent Key. Coach, you were last here in the early 2000s. How's this place changed? The biggest thing that's changed is the, the amount of people that are here, the, the amount of people that are working in athletics. Uh, you know, there's still still a lot of familiar faces around, but then, you know, the, the size of the staffs, the size of the people, uh, the, the departments, um, you know, that's the first thing. Because the first thing with anything you look at, you look at is the people, and that's the people that, uh, that make up the athletic association. Um, then as far as the campus, you know, I've been fortunate enough to recruit Atlanta for majority of my career. So I would have chances, you know, here and there once every couple of years to drive through campus and kind of see the progress that's been made. And all in all, though, it's been good to get back, uh, making my way back around here the last couple of days and uh, getting, uh, getting reacquainted with everything here. You spent the majority of your career as a player, either uh, under Coach O'Leary or as a coach under Coach George O'Leary. Had a nice run here at Georgia Tech, and then uh, spent the last three years under head coach Nick Saban. Uh, those are two names that are, if nothing else, well known in the Georgia Tech sphere as far as Coach Saban's concerned nationally. What drew you back to Georgia Tech and to Coach Collins? What did you see in him that reminded you of those guys? Well, there's uh, obviously the draw to be here at Georgia Tech, which is is home, and you know the Georgia Tech created. Uh, a lot of the things that I'm very proud of today and it made me who I am today and um, and coach Collins is someone that I met here um, as a player then as a graduate assistant and became really close friends with Um, he also has worked under coach O'Leary for a long time and coach Saban and so we shared some very similar philosophies when it comes to the game of football even with him being a defensive coach and me being an offensive coach and you know the the draw to come back here and, and reestablish the 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 change in culture that um, that that Coach Collins wants to is is spearheading and bringing about here it was a something exciting, something very challenging, um, something dear to my heart, and something that I was really really fired me up to think about it and think about the impact we could have here uh, doing what the plan calls for. Georgia Tech's a unique place. Uh, you've spent a lot of time recruiting for UCF, recruiting for Alabama. Uh, and you've been lauded for it by 247 Sports, a number of other outlets about your expertise in that uh, arena of college football. How does your recruiting messaging change coming to Georgia Tech, or does it? You know what? It really doesn't. You know, I think if, if anything coming to Georgia Tech, you just add something to your recruiting message, and that's the you know, the outstanding education that you can uh, that you can receive here at Georgia Tech, and you know how it builds you as a person and the character as a person. Uh, you know, going to school here. Uh, being in the city of Atlanta and what you're exposed to in the city of Atlanta and the opportunities that present themselves in the city of Atlanta, uh, you know, those are all things that you add to the message um, in, in when you're going into players' homes and you're talking to players and you're talking to prospects and their families. But at the end of the day, recruiting is about relationships and developing relationships and process that, that takes place over years and years. And, you know, whether they're freshmen and sophomores in, in high school and getting those relationships built, having those players to campus numerous times over and over and over to, to the point where they're, you know, when they decide to come to your school and when they decide to sign that letter to come to your school, that they're part of your family and you feel like they're family. And that's what our uh, that's what our, our desire is to do here. And that's what, you know, we've already started on here. 
and can't wait to you know continue to do that and build that and uh, moving forward here at Tech. From a recruiting perspective, when it's when you're inside the living room or, or, or thereabouts, what do you say to a recruit? What's the messaging for Georgia Tech? Well, again, first off, it's the branding here. The, the branding that's taking place that Coach Collins is doing now and, and allowing people to see what the positives of Georgia Tech are. I mean, the one thing about it is everyone asks, well, how's this going to happen? What are you guys going to do? Well, I mean, when I look at it, I'm like, why are you even asking these questions? I mean, this place is this place is one of the best academic institutions in the entire world, right downtown in the heart of Atlanta, one of the top technology schools. And all anybody talks about nowadays is technology and the advancing of technology. Kids are constantly involved in technology every single moment of every single day, whether it's playing Fortnite on the video games, whether it's their phones in their hands, whether it's the social media, everything revolves around technology. And to be able to come to a place where you're going to get a top degree you're going to be able to play top football you're going to be able to be developed into a nfl player you're going to get that degree in the city of atlanta and be able to have a technology-based background that you're around all the time what's to give why not what's what why is that a hard sell and to me it's not um to me that is a it is an easy sell and I'm excited to get out and, and start delivering that message and telling people about it. Well, Coach, thanks so much for your time. And, and you just two weeks ago, you were competing for a national championship with Alabama, so you're just recently back in Atlanta. Uh, what's one thing you've seen the last week and a half that you say, man, I'm glad to be back home here in Atlanta? You know, I was uh, earlier this morning getting my, getting my buzz card reactivated and just to, just to be downtown and, and the smells and the sounds of the city of Atlanta and uh, just looking up and seeing uh, that – we're right here in the middle of it, and, and the, these kids, you know, have the same opportunity that now that I have, and, and that the rest of the coaches on this staff have, is it, to be here in Atlanta. And um, you know, it's it's almost too much to even talk about and explain because it is such an exciting time for me right now being back. Did they let you keep your buzz card photo from uh, your playing days here? They forced you to take a new one. Yeah, they made me take a new one. You know, they, they, <laughs> I, I, the, the loss of hair is from a combination of the people I've worked for in the past, and, and that's all good because it's been a uh, an excellent experience, and, and th those experiences have built who I am today. And um, you know, I'm, I'm looking moving forward with a new new buzz card picture, and uh, but I, I think my campus ID number still is the same. <laughs> Sounds good. New buzz card, new era, Coach Keith. Thanks for your time. Best of luck. Give us a forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks. I uh, really appreciate it. No doubt. All right, next up, we got Tabitha Turner talking a little bit of Georgia State women's basketball. This is From the Flats. Four-court pond settling her feet. Right side, and a three is good from in front of the Duke bench. And with that happening right in front of her, Joanne P. McCauley wants the timeout for the Blue Devils. And that's how Francesca Pond gets herself going. She shoots her way out of the three-point slumps, and right there, good sign for her, knocking down the corner three. And we're now joined by our women's basketball insider analyst on both the Georgia Tech radio network as well as ACC Network Extra, Tabitha Turner. Tabitha, the Jackets on the women's side, 2-2 two and two in the ACC. Their two wins, impressive. Their two losses against top five teams. Uh, what have you seen thus far through the first four games of ACC play? Um, well, like you said, two of the wins were impressive, and two of them were against the number one and number two team in Notre Dame and Louisville. And the funny thing is, especially with that Notre Dame game, I mean, Georgia Tech, for three out of the four quarters, they were within three of Notre Dame um, as far as scoring in those quarters. In that second quarter, Georgia Tech was outscored by 14 points, and it was just too hard to bounce back from. But, I mean, what we saw was we're out-rebounding most teams in the country, and our posts are scoring a lot of points against some of the best teams in the country. And I'm talking mostly about Elizabeth Dixon and Lorella Kubai and some of our other posts as well. 
Um, but in those games, a couple things got exposed with Georgia Tech, and, and one of them is foul trouble, and the other is bench scoring. So I think Michelle Joseph, especially in the Louisville game, she was looking at more players to play off the bench, and we saw a few more people um, come off the bench and contribute as far as rebounds, especially Diou. She had six rebounds in that game. And uh, so other people contributed as well. So I think right now Coach Joseph is working on keeping her starters, especially out of foul trouble, but also getting more from the bench. Liz Dixon received her second ACC Rookie of the Week honors of the season earlier this week. Elizabeth Balligan already has three for Georgia Tech. We've talked about the freshman class at length so far this season, Tab. But what can you tell me about Lorella Kubai and why she's having more success these last five games, averaging close to a double-double? How has she improved from this time a year ago? You know what, last year I used to say about Lorella that, you know, her touch around the basket, um, she needed a more finesse kind of touch. She wasn't taking her time. She was rushing a lot of her shots. And this year you see her kind of slowing down the game in her head. She's taking her time and using more of her post moves. You know, the reason why Lorella was contributing last season um, and still on the floor but not scoring as much was because she was a great rebounder and she did all the things that she wanted to do that other people wouldn't. You know, the gritty stuff like taking charges um, and drawing fouls on some of their best players. And she also rebounded a lot. But this season we see her doing those same things where she's sacrificing her body, getting all the rebounds per game, but she's also scoring more. So she's becoming more of a threat. So I, I think Lorella has kind of slowed the game down in her head. She Sometimes she gets a little frustrated still, um, but you can see her getting better game by game. So she's becoming more of a threat offensively, and she's been a threat defensively as well for this tech team. Well, there's an old adage that uh, some coaches say the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores, and Lorella Kubai is showing a lot of growth. Kind of scary to imagine what Liz Dixon and Elizabeth Balligan will become as they've taken home five of those ACC Rookie of the Week honors so far this year. But as far as the bench is concerned, do you have a, a sixth or seventh man candidate specifically that you'd peg as someone who could give Georgia Tech a little more punch off the bench? Well, number six for sure is going to be Shannon Scott. She's been pretty consistent with her energy off the bench, and she's that player that she's going to come in and give you defense. Um, she's got this great leaping ability. We all know she could dunk. But um, I like what I'm seeing from Lodemai Lottman. I mean, as a freshman, um, all her decision-making isn't always going to be on point, but because she's so aggressive defensively and she comes in with a lot of energy off the bench, um, her good outweighs anything negative that she does. And now she's becoming more of an offensive threat where this kid is fearless. I mean, you should have seen her against Asia Durr in Louisville. There was a play where, you know, she was going back and forth with Asia um, the whole game and she was kind of getting to Asia Durr's head and she got an and one on her and kind of screamed in her face and we were all a little scared that she's going to get attacked but it was so funny because she did not care that this was the number one number two player in the country I mean Asia Durr is going to the WNBA next year there's a fine line I suppose between fearing your opponent respecting your opponent looks like a little my lot and has that down pat as far as the upcoming games tab at Clemson, a team that's been sort of the story of the ACC, they're coming off a mighty successful road trip, getting wins at Florida State and Miami, both top 25 teams. And then after the Clemson game, Tech comes home for a pair of Sunday home games against presently number 12 Syracuse and then number 8 NC State. How critical are these next three games as far as a, a resume construction period for Georgia Tech when it comes to the postseason in March? Every game is going to be crucial. And like you just said, this Clemson team just knocked off a ranked FSU team. And their strengths are similar to Georgia Tech's where they rebound the, the ball very well. They're averaging a little over 42 rebounds a game. And their skills are a little above 12. And those are the same numbers 
that Georgia Tech is averaging because these are blue-collar hustle teams. Um, when they played FSU the other night, they had a lot of people contribute off the bench, so that's pretty dangerous. Um, and that's something that Georgia Tech can do as well. I think there's a little bit of a confidence issue with the bench sometimes. Um, but as soon as our bench comes around, I think they'll be able to compete better with those number one and number two teams in the country. But Clemson is going to be um, a big test for them on Thursday, and I think they could pull it out. Three opportunities for quality wins. As of this week, Georgia Tech is projected to uh, make the field of 64, according to ESPN and their women's basketball coverage. But a whole lot of basketball left to play, and Tabitha Turner will be there for uh, every shot deflection, rebound, the whole shebang. So, Tab, again, thanks for joining us and uh, have a safe trip to Clemson. Look forward to seeing you at McCamish the next couple of Sundays. Thanks, Wally. No problem. All right, that's Tabitha Turner. Now we'll shift gears and talk to Randy Waters about the men's basketball team as they prepare for another tough stretch of ACC play. This is From the Flats. Down to a post and gay. Kicks out Haywood. Alvarado right corner three. Yes, sir! And a timeout, Jim Beheim. Alvarado with his second three, and Georgia Tech takes his 34-28 lead. And that was a key moment in Georgia Tech's road victory up in upstate New York, Syracuse. The Jackets take them down by a final score of 73-59. to One of the men who was on the call that Saturday evening up in uh, beautiful northern New York in January is Randy Waters. He joins us now, and Randy, as a member of the uh, – Radio crew for Georgia Tech men's basketball. We've seen some ups, seen some downs through these first four ACC games. There were some grim forecasts made about this year for Tech, but they find themselves at 2-2 two and two and a tie for seventh in the ACC through the first two weeks. What are your takeaways for the first four games? Well, first of all, the words beautiful, upstate, New York, northern have never been used. January have never been used in the same sentence. So we, <laughs> we've already made history. And we'll take it from there. Yeah, you better believe it. Yeah, the uh, the, the win at Syracuse was uh, indicative of defensively what this team has is capable of, if you will. Now, having said that, as you well know, you may run into a team that on any given night might not matter much what you throw at them defensively. They're going to have superior talent. That's going to happen. Uh, we saw Syracuse then turn around two nights later on the road to Duke and get a win at Cameron Indoor. Um, I, I think a couple of the big things about this team so far is we did not know what uh, what we were going to see with Curtis Haywood coming off a, a freshman year, which was pretty much wiped out with physical ailment. Uh, he has not only become the kind of shooter you need, I mean, that, that three from straight away after uh, Syracuse had cut it to a dozen from 18 to 12, and there were still over seven minutes to go. That three by Curtis Haywood was just huge. And Jose Alvarado, who struggled mightily with his shooting in the non-conference, uh, has, has maybe it's the competitive juices of conference play. So, Randy, you mentioned Curtis Haywood's improved shot, Jose Alvarado's improved shot. They're shooting a combined 15 of 31 from three-point land in ACC play. That's just shy of 50%. Has Coach Pastor or anyone been able to put their finger on why they're having greater success now? Are they getting better looks? I mean, what do you make of those improved numbers? I think better looks is a key. I think there's a couple of reasons, maybe no more complicated explanation than 13 games leading up to the conference play uh, and the calendar. A uh, little more maturity on Curtis because last year he missed so many games and really was still trying to find his footing coming in into this season. 
and Jose's competitive nature, for example, after the uh, loss to St. John's in Miami, we got back late uh, to the Zelmac Center and Curtis, I'm sorry, Jose, uh, everybody else was leaving or had already left. And the last thing I saw before I left was Jose headed for the practice court with a ball in his hand, staring straight ahead with a determined look on his face. So, uh, and yes, they are getting better looks. I think there's a combination of reason. Part of it is the defense. Uh, I mean, Haywood's been one of the main thieves in the, in the steals category for Georgia Tech. And that's helped set up not only himself in some transition looks, but also Jose, of course. And Curtis is getting more inside outlooks as James Banks has become more comfortable uh, in post. And not being critical of A.D., he's just a different kind of player than James, certainly. And I think A.D. felt a lot of pressure when he got the ball in the post. And we all know he kind of sometimes holds on to it too long. Well, that wasn't getting any of those guys on the perimeter any inside-out looks. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that is happening some now. That's benefited uh, Curtis to a great deal. And I think another guy who's going to reap some benefit from that is Michael DeVoe. I'd love to see Shambari Phillips join the party. Uh, got 10 minutes uh, in the game at Clemson, and uh, I think it was one of two from the field, picked up his third foul and then sat after that. Well, let's turn our attention to these next two home games. Uh, Louisville on Saturday, Notre Dame on Tuesday. Those are two teams that uh, have already netted uh, some impressive wins in conference play. Louisville, of course, trouncing North Carolina at the Dean Dome last weekend. Uh, let's start with them. What do you see from the Cardinals? I see, I see Cardinals. <laughs> I don't care who's coaching them, uh, I, and I don't mean that negatively. Uh, Chris Mack obviously uh, did very well at Xavier, and he looks like he's going to do very well at Louisville. When I say I see Cardinals, I've seen that program uh, close up. I saw it close up, I should say, for a number of years in Kentucky. But I see, I, see, I mean – you could plug in some of the current names for the, some of the former names, and you'd still get the same offensive uh, capabilities, uh, the, the same uh, shot-blocking uh, capabilities. And uh, outside of Louisville, the, the, unless you follow it very closely, uh, Jordan Wara. I mean, if you talk to some fan, casual fan about that, they're not going to know that name. They might know Zion Williamson, you know, and some other highly publicized name. But – when I see Louisville, I just see typical Cardinal basketball, and that's, that's a compliment to the highest degree. Now, Notre Dame, uh, you can't argue against what Mike Ray has done there, and I think, frankly, only a great deal of success in the, um, in the NCAA tournament to this date, or lack of, I should say, is the only potential argument for him not going to the Hall of Fame. Um, but he may get there someday, no matter what happens in the future. So, but they're not as they're not as experienced as they have been the last few years. So, so they're an interesting team this year. And Randy, before we let you go, you talked about Jose Alvarado's uh, injury uh, walking off the court against Clemson. Uh, another big loss for Tech was Abdullah Gay. Ought to know more in the coming days about his status as it pertains to the rest of the season. But uh, who would you like to see step up in the front court to? Uh, compliment James Banks. I know that was a rotation with Gay and Banks on the floor that seemed to have been growing legs and, and building some momentum, but if yeah. AD can't go, at least on Saturday, who do you expect the, those minutes to fall to? Well, uh, Evan's been starting a little more lately than, of course, he only started the, the first uh, couple games uh, and then got uh, hurt at Tennessee. 
Um, so he's going to get some more minutes, no question about that. And and I, I'd love to see Khalid Moore um, really step up here. Khalid Moore, to me, I mean, look look at the efficiency of this guy. He only takes two shots last night. He makes both of them. Uh, he he did not turn the ball over in 18 minutes of play. You 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 have to look beyond point totals. He's one of those guys. You just look at a point total. You're not going to appreciate the talent of the kid. And I, I think that the longer he goes, the more minutes he gets, the better he's going to be. And, and he's, he's just so, he's so smart with the ball. And, and, and I'll watch him off the ball. Watch his off-the-ball defense sometime. And do the same thing with Curtis Haywood. Watch his off-the-ball defense. And I think you'll be, well, I don't want to say surprised. I think you'll learn a lot about how these kids want. Well, the maturation of this young Georgia Tech 2018-2019 men's basketball team continues. Uh, Randy Waters, along with Andy Demetrio, will be there to bring you every step of the journey. 3.30 airtime on Saturday as the Jackets host Louisville, and then moving on to Tuesday night, hosting Notre Dame as well at 7 o'clock. Randy, thanks for the time, and uh, have fun on Saturday. Will do. Thanks, Wiley. No doubt. All right, that wraps up this episode of From the Flats. We hope to see you all around campus this week. A lot of big games for both the women's basketball team and the men's basketball team and softball and baseball are getting closer and closer beginning their practice. Fun times here at Georgia Tech. You've been listening to the From the Flats podcast brought to you by AT&T. Be sure to tune into the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network on game days for live coverage and subscribe to this channel to get the latest news on the Yellow Jackets.